Teresa, can you help me out with dog etiquette? Yeah, I'll walk you through it. It's manners. Another special edition of Schmanners. Uh, you know, it's Max Fun Drive, so we're bringing the heat. So we wanted to bring you a special episode, a supplemental episode, uh, to tide you over until this Friday's regular episode. Um, and we're going to tell you all about it. But first, I want to remind you, it is Max Fun Drive. It's a very special time of the year in which you get to support the shows that you love. Go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Become a donor right now. Don't wait. Why would you wait? You're just going to lose time. You're going to miss out on the warm, fuzzy feelings and all the time you could be spending listening to all the bonus content. So do that now. MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Okay, so this episode, I'm really excited about it. We didn't do our whole spiel. Oh my God, you're right. You said oh God, you went straight into Max Fun Drive. You were so excited about Max Fun Drive. You didn't say, I'm your husband host, Travis right McElroy. I'll, you're giving away the farm. I'll do it right now. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Yay. I'm so excited. This episode <laughs> is a crossover episode for two of my favorite things. Well, I was going to say two. Three of my favorite things, my wife, good manners, and dogs. We have with us a very special guest, Allegra Ringo. Hello. Hello, everybody. You probably know her from the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Also on MaximumFun.org. Also produced by me. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you, you. You are not only a podcast superstar, you are also a dog owner. I am. It's my claim to fame. And a super awesome, great person. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. You're welcome. Now, I uh, I know this because mm-hmm. um, I do a show with you about dogs, which is what Can I Pet Your Dog is. Um, but for those of uh, our listeners who don't also listen to Can I Pet Your Dog, um, you've been a dog owner all your life? No. Uh, we had a dog when I was a kid, but only from the time I was 12 on. Um, and then as an adult, I've been a dog owner for about three years now. Mm-hmm. And you have a tiny little cute dog named Pistachio. I do. She is a Chihuahua Terrier mix. She is very cute. She has floppy ears and an underbite, and she's my whole life. And how does she normally do at like a dog park or around other dogs? Um, she does. She really likes other dogs if they're around her size, which is about 18 pounds. So if they're her size or smaller, she's really great. Um, with bigger dogs, she's never aggressive toward them, but she will get scared of them. So she either just kind of like stands just out of their reach because she doesn't really want to hang out with them because they're too big, or she'll kind of cower a little bit. I think that Buttercup is very similar in that way. She's a little more standoffish around larger dogs, mm-hmm. and she's a lot more comfortable with smaller dogs. Maybe it has to do with just what they're they're used to. Maybe if we if we like pushed her to be around bigger dogs, she might get better at it. But yeah, I think it's very understandable. I certainly, if I saw like a human that was like three times my size coming toward me and like <laughs> didn't know any better, I'd be like, eh. you could probably safely assume it was three children in like a trench coat <laughs> at that point. I, I I also think I don't think that's uncommon because most dog parks you go to have a small dog area and a big dog area. Yeah. So I think it's probably pretty common at the very least dogs they're different sizes so they just like play differently so there's always that risk of like well the big dog just got like overly exuberant with their attention and like it scared the little dog so before we get into the nitty-gritty of the um of the etiquette 
of dogs and dog parks and dog stuff. Um, I did a little bit of research on Ooh, history. Travis yeah. did some research. Yay. I love it when he does research. <laughs> I love doing research, too. Knowledge is power. Um, so first, dog domestication. Nobody's exactly sure because, of course, records from this long ago aren't exactly, like, everywhere, and it's really hard to find any kind of documentation, let alone accurate, um, as to the or- origin of the domestication of dogs. Is it wolves? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Through most genetic research, it's pretty clear that they're descended from wolf. But what type of wolf is Ooh. pretty unsure. In fact, most scientists now believe that the type of wolf that uh, they would be descended from no longer exists on Earth. Oh, so it's kind of like a dividing branch where yeah. the place where the branch meets is no longer available. A missing link? Well, for a long time, everybody was like, oh, it's the gray wolf and the, and the dog. Um, but we're not quite sure of that anymore. Now, um, this happened anywhere between 27,000 to 40,000 years before the present. So about before now. So as I said, really hard to find, um, exact evidence. So a lot of what we do is like genome mapping and, you know, DNA testing and that kind of thing. But from what we can tell, we are, uh, we are, no, (laughs) it would be amazing (laughs) if we were descended from wolves. Dogs, dogs are descended from some kind of wolf. Most people believe that the timeline would be that the domestication began, um, when humans were still hunter gatherers Mm -hmm. and not like agriculture. We hadn't settled. So we were still kind of, you know, tracking herds and like moving for game and that kind of thing. That makes sense. It does, especially when you think about um, a lot of what I've seen, like the documentaries and like theoretical, like this is how we think it happened, is that it was like they threw scraps to the kinder, you know, kind of more approachable of the wolves. And those wolves then protected their camps and area from the outside wolves because they were like, well, we get fed here. So, like, this is now our hunting ground. So we don't want you. So it's like protecting their food source. Yeah. Um, and Charles Darwin was fascinated by this, did a lot of studying into this. And as you probably not a surprise, knowing Darwin and his whole deal. Um, <laughs> but he talked about the difference between kind of natural selection and conscious selection. So what human beings did with the dog was conscious selection. So oh. the idea of the, um, the offspring from the litter that was like most docile and most like into humans. And the most cuddly. Yeah. Oh. They were the ones that continued to be bred and they were the ones that like were kept around. And the ones that were kind of too wild were either unfortunately done away with probably or like left back into the woods to fend for themselves. There was a study done actually by Russian scientists in the 1920s and 30s um, where they studied foxes and they kind of bred out the aggression and kind of bred in the domestication where they would only breed the more docile foxes until they basically bred out aggression and they studied the physiological changes and the behavioral changes and that kind of thing. There was actually... And it really doesn't take too many generations, It right? doesn't. Um, and we also, we watched a documentary once about people who were trying to like have wolves oh. as pets. And the thing is, is it always hits a point where the aggression is just not necessarily aggression in like, uh, I'm going to kill you aggression, but just they don't have soft mouths. They don't have soft paws. Oh. They don't like they don't 
relate the same way. When I was a dog trainer, one of the things I found most interesting is part of this evolution and part of the reason we have specific dog breeds now is a thing called neoteny, which is like the pubification of that. So like the oh, softer the their feature. The cutest puppy. Yeah, exactly. So the cute. cuter they are, the more likely they are to get more attention and therefore fed and oh, like all of that stuff. So like dogs just kind of were picked for how cute they were. Hmm. And so they became cuter and cuter. So their brows kind of soften instead of like, if you look at wolves, they have a very like square, you know, sharp features and sharp muzzles and like, you know, bigger They're paws. all pointy and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and when you look at like modern breeds, like the difference between a wolf and a Pomeranian <laughs> and we'll give you a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about. So that's kind of like how we, and so then as you look at dog breeds, it was breeding different traits that they liked. So on Can I Pet Your Dog or when someone talks about like they were a good hunting dog, they were a good sniffing dog, mm-hmm. that's because they bred the ones that were good at that. They bred that trait specifically and kind of manipulated that breed to be better at that thing, you know? So basically by breeding mutations, they were able to keep that mutation in the bloodline. Now, unfortunately, that will often lead to hereditary diseases and some kind of mutation that's unhealthy. For example, I think like Dalmatians are most likely deaf mm-hmm. um greyhounds have a lot of joint problems um, and a lot of dogs have um have breathing problems mm-hmm. with the brachycephalic dogs the you know the squish face ones the which is why now more and more you're seeing less and less of the like pure breeding mm-hmm. as like an important thing where people are like no i just want my dog to be happy i want my dog to be healthy that kind of thing um so you know but Everything has its ups and downs. I think that, especially if you have a specific trait that you're looking for, there's nothing wrong with getting a purebred. But it doesn't have to be the thing it was. Anyways, that's my little soapbox moment. I'm going to step back, go to shelters, (laughs) adopt rescue dogs. They're great. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the origin of dog parks, because I found this interesting. They started in... um, 1979 in Berkeley, California, uh, two women, Gail Green and Doris Richards. There was a lot of construction going on in Berkeley at the time, a lot of renovation, a lot of stuff being torn down and rebuilt. And there was a big kind of, you know, open area. And they were like, well, we'll make this a dog park. Um, and in a 2009 article that Gail Green wrote, she describes the first dog park in the United States, uh, which is called O-Lone Dog Park, O-H-L-O-N-E, um, She said it had two entrances, both single gated. There was one picnic table near the main gate, a single faucet drizzled water into a plastic whipped topping container. (laughs) There were a couple of boulders at one end, and that was it. The rest was grassy open space that turned into thick mud in the winter. The area was called the experimental dog park for what seemed like forever. There was constant unspoken anticipation that the dog park that the park might be closed at any moment until it was officially dedicated to a woman on the Berkeley City Council, Martha Scott Benedict. The name of the park was not officially changed to honor her, but a large etched wooden sign bears her name. Eventually, the name was changed to reflect its location of a bit of Berkeley open space called Olone Parkway. Now, Olone Park has trees, a bulletin board, picnic benches, water fountains, double-gated entrances, a cement walkway from one end to the other that allows disabled access, and a blue fire hydrant dedicated to a popular park advocate, the late Doris Richards. That's very recent. 1979 was the first ever dog park? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, but they're everywhere now. And, like, I can think of three in my area just off the top of my head. But if you can't think of any in your area or you would like to establish one, I recommend going to dogpark.com and reading the article Start a Dog Park. It gives a very handy, very detailed, very informative step-by-step process um, from, like, 
let's see. Step one is uh, Dog Owners Unite. A united effort will help ensure the success of your project. Together, you can educate the misinformed and overcome the strongest opposition. <laughs> um, and it goes through about seven different steps that you can do to help establish a, a dog park in your area. That is really cool. I didn't know about that. Well, speaking of dog parks, let's go over a few basic things that uh, you should know about being polite and mannerly with your dog at a dog park. So I'm going to say that first and foremost, you have need to have realistic expectations about your dog at a dog park. A lot of the, the way that it's going to interact it depends on you and depends on how well you know your dog. So if you know that your dog is um, is skittish around bigger dogs take them to the smaller side of the dog park if they're you know kind of in between and it's usually small dogs and anxious dogs or small dogs and timid mm-hmm. dogs please don't take advantage of that if you have like three small dogs and two huge dogs please don't take all of them into the small dog park that's it's scary for my little timid dog Aww. maybe if you have a wide range of dogs you should see if someone could come with you so you could divide the dogs properly um and Make sure that you you understand their temperament. If they're not ready to play with rowdy dogs or a lot of dogs, just really be aware of your surroundings so that you don't put your dog in an awkward situation. Well, like, for example, we know that with Buttercup, she'll run around, she'll chase, she'll play with dogs, she'll do all that, and then she will hit a point where she is done, Mm -hmm. she is tired, she doesn't want to play anymore, and you can watch her body language completely change, 180, and you're like, okay, she's done, time to go, she doesn't want to play anymore. And and remember, a dog park with all the other dogs and stimuli around isn't really a good place for you to continue training your dog, Um, and so you, you really shouldn't be working on those kinds of things uh, with, with everything around. You're really just setting your dog up to fail. Which is always bad in dog training. Right. Um, make sure that you supervise your dog, obviously. You really should not bring a book or be on your phone too much um, just because dogs can go from from one extreme to another very quickly. And you need to know your dog and recognize your dog's signs so that things don't get bad. And even if you're like, I know my dog, I don't need to. You're also watching the other dogs, too. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you're just, you just need to be present. Mm-hmm. Um. They recommend, uh, experts recommend, not taking a lot of treats and not taking toys to the dog park because that can kind of create a, um, a competitive atmosphere between the dogs. Um, and a lot of people know that stuff. You know, there are balls and sticks and things that people like kind of leave at the dog park. But you shouldn't bring anything that is very s- special to your dog because another dog might get a hold of it. And that's a fight right there, you know? Also, in general, I would say that most dog parks have posted rules. Um, observe those rules. And, like, I listen, I know it seems cool to break the rules, you guys, <laughs> but rules are there to protect you and protect your dog. Um, it, for example, one of the main rules I always see in a dog park is, like, don't. Leave your don't let your kids run around unattended, right? Because a a child one can get knocked over very easily by an excited dog, and two, if the if the dog gets excited enough, might think of the child as another dog, yep. and and they nip at each other and they growl at each other, and dogs while that's play with their mouths, right? And while that's you know a, appropriate dog to dog, it's not appropriate dog to human. Um. Also, just uh, things I'm thinking of that I've seen people do in dog parks where I'm like, oh, please don't do that. 
if you take your dog into an off-leash dog park and all the dogs are off-leash, don't leave your dog on the leash. Yeah. It can it can make some off-leash off-leash dogs overly excited. Um, it could make your dog overly excited. You see a lot of leash aggression, that idea of like, come play with me and your dog's on the leash. Right, and- they, they just feel different. It's a different dynamic between you and the dog and all the other, sto- other dogs if one is on a leash and the other ones aren't. And you should not pick up your dog, um, especially in a large group of dogs. Maybe if I say, like, Pistachio's pretty small. If you mm-hmm. wanted to pick her up because she was exhausted, mm-hmm. you were getting ready to leave, or she had kind of, like, found a cool corner to, like, chill in, um, I think that that would be fine. But when dogs are, like, running around with each other, you picking up your dog signals to the other dog, oh, let's get it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just sure. picture yourself with toys. Like, how often do you have a stuffed animal for your dog, and you, like, make them jump for it, and then you throw it? That like yeah. if a dog's about to attack another dog, get like don't pick up the dog. It's mm-hmm. not a good way to go. What like what are some things that you've seen at a dog park that you're like, oh man, I wish people would stop doing that. <laughs> this one time I saw a woman who brought she brought her dog to the dog park and she brought a computer like a laptop and was like trying to do work on it and then seemed exasperated when dirt would blow on it, which was all the time. <laughs> That well, was a weird... Especially here in California, <laughs> where, I mean, all the dog parks are pretty much dirt. It's dirt. It's dirty. It's dogs. That's, I think, that extreme example. I don't think anyone else is coming like, I'm going to write my essay here. Uh, and on top of that, she wasn't paying attention to her dog. I've definitely seen people bring, like, bags of food or, like, bags of treats for their dog, which I think is a real problem, like Teresa said, because, of course, all the other dogs want it. And you don't know who's okay to give treats to. It could cause food aggression. It's like a whole thing. I don't think you should even bring people food into oh, a dog absolutely park. Not. Absolutely not. No, oh, no, I've no. totally seen people do that, and it's it's such a pain for everyone because it's like you, it's a pain to eat around dogs. Like, well, yeah, do you really want to eat while <laughs> no. there's like twenty pairs of eyes just like oh staring at you? But like, you can finish that burger. <laughs> and if, like especially burger, if it's please. a bigger dog, you might be overpowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows what their um, what their manners are like? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that, oh, the, do you remember that dog park that we went to in Cincinnati that had a small dog area, a big dog area, like all dog area, if you had both kinds, aggressive dog area, yeah, that no. if your dog was overacting, you could take them to this like smaller park for them to run around and get their wiggles out. It was like the most well-divided, and the and the areas were huge. That's amazing. Yeah, and it was like- And grassy. And grassy, and gigantic. Oh. Well, yeah, it's also Kevin. Cincinnati. So the property <laughs> values were a lot lower than they are here. You uh, could have a huge dog park. You're making me hate LA, though. That sounds like paradise. It was pretty great, that and was. also like a mile-long like walk around the park. Ooh, it was pretty great. That's nice. But like- that idea of I think that that's a pretty good indicator of like know your dog yeah you know above all else like if you know you have a dog that likes to like jump on dogs or you know you have a dog that plays rough plan accordingly you know what I mean I'm not saying don't take your dog like let your dog be a dog just keep an eye on it my thing that I'm embarrassed about with pistachio is she tends to hump puppies Mm -hmm. whenever it's like a younger dog um, or a super submissive dog, but yeah. especially if it's a puppy. If a puppy like comes in, I always keep an I like get up and follow her around because inevitably she'll hump it, and I'm like so embarrassed about it. Even though I know it's not, you know, it's silly to be embarrassed, but I always want to keep on top of it to be like, no, don't do that. 
because well, I know she's going to. Well, and you make a good point because, well, I think that it's okay to be like ready to put a stop to that. I've seen people in dog parks where their dogs have started playing like dogs do, mm-hmm. where they like chase each other and tackle each other. And they there's a difference between what we see as aggressive behavior right. and play behavior. And it's really just look and say like, at the end of the day, is my dog relaxed? Mm-hmm. Like, are the other dogs relaxed? Are the other dogs well? relaxed? Mm-hmm. If the dog submits, uh, like rolls over, or anything like that, any kind of submissive behavior, and the other dog doesn't kind of back off a little bit, then that might be a sign that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when one dog clearly is done playing and the other one's not. But I've seen people like pull their dogs away for like barking. You know, and it's like it's, they're well, dogs. Yeah. There's a couple of different things that that I've read about barking, and that there's a difference between an excited bark that happens every once in a while and a dog that is barking at other dogs incessantly, mm-hmm. like you know the the fun police type dog, where it's like. <laughs> Where it's really going after one specific dog, and I can see that being pulled pulled away. Definitely, but that's what I'm saying is you have to have a gauge for it. You have to be able to tell the difference between what is play behavior and what is like aggressive, too much, or obsessive behavior. You know, a dog that chases another dog, great. A dog that tries to chase another dog when that dog's done running, it's like okay, time to distract that dog and move on to something else. I think if you're, and for me, when I was a new dog owner, I was much more nervous about that kind of stuff, and I I think I overdid it in terms of like pulling her away when she was just playing and i think it's like if you're a new dog owner it's helpful to get to know your dog before taking them to a dog park just so you're like more familiar with what is regular for your dog absolutely and one of the other things that you should really do especially if you're a new dog owner is make sure that your dog comes when they're called Mm -hmm. because that's a really important part about being in a group of dogs if the dog ignores you then there is not going to be a good way to break up a fight if there's if something happens or um if you know you're ready to go and the dog is not ready to go all that stuff you need to make sure before you take the dog that it comes when called some quick training tips on how to teach your dog to come when called. <laughs> One, never call your dog to punish them. Mm. Ever, 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 ever. That's going to teach the dog that when they come to you, they might get in trouble. You only ever want it to be that when they come to you, you treat them, you praise them, you treat them like they are the greatest dog who's ever walked the face <laughs> of the earth so that they know that every time they come to you, it's going to be great. Don't start off trying to call them in the most complicated, difficult scenario ever. Like, if they're chasing a squirrel and you've never practiced the come command, it's not going to happen. Well, that's the thing about setting your dog up to fail. You yeah. want to you wanna set them up for success. The easiest way to do it is if, you know, your partner or a friend or somebody, like, on opposite sides of, like, a 10-foot hallway with each with a handful of treats, just call the dog back and forth and, like, just get them into the groove of it and do that on a regular basis. But just remember... Never do it to punish. Smart. Um, We're going to talk about some other stuff uh, as far as dog etiquette goes, but I wanted to jump in and give a quick rundown on the Max Fun Drive donation levels. Uh, Teresa, why don't you tell us about the $5 a month level? So if you pledge $5 a month, you get access to exclusive donor Ooh, only. VIP. VIP. High end. <laughs> exclusive donor only bonus content. And that's not just from the bonus content content from this year. It is all of the bonus content. So you can go back in those archives. There are days and days and days worth of bonus episodes that you can listen to if you donate $5 a month. Allegra, what about $10 a month? 
ooh, uh, uh, yeah, I know it. Uh, you get, uh, I do know it. You get all that Teresa just mentioned, uh, plus you get your choice of a specialized bandana from the show of your choosing. Now, yeah. I'm going to say, Can I Pet Your Dog is a very attractive bandana. I know. And Schmanners is a very attractive bandana. My the Schmanners bandana has little forks and spoons on it. What That's does cute. what does the uh, Can I Pet Your Dog bandana have on it? The Can I Pet Your Dog bandana has uh, it says Mutt Minute. It says Big Dog and Little Dog, and has them both pictured. I believe it's got little bones on it. Little bones also. Yeah, you're, yes. you are right. It's, little bones. They're all very cute, and it's all cute. And there's a bunch more options to choose from. You know, here's what I think you should do: do two different subscriptions, each for ten dollars, and you can get both in. <laughs> Maybe Smart. one for you, maybe one for your friend. Who knows? But keep so the bandanas for yourself. and set up a second bank account uh-huh. at a different bank with a completely <laughs> no, different just bank offshore. account. Just different email addresses. That's all. Oh, two different email addresses. Um, so that's $10 and $5. For $20, you get the bonus content, you get your choice of bandana, and you get the Max Fun Adventure Kit that includes things like a camping roll of toilet paper, a Max Fun multi-tool, a paracord bracelet. Um, it's a hot chocolate packet. A hot chocolate Ooh, packet. I um, love hot chocolate. Everything you need for a last-minute emergency camping scenario, I would say. <laughs> and you got that bonus content to, to take with you and a bandana for everything. There's a ton of stuff you can use bandana for when camping. And all that for just $20. And you get to support the shows that you love. That's the thing. The wonderful thing about Max Fun is that it is donor and listener supported, which means that when you become a donor, you pick the shows you listen to, and that's where your money goes. It's not some big, nameless, you know, faceless corporation where you're paying your bill every month and you have no idea idea if you're even supporting the shows you listen to or watch you know where your money is going because you tell them where to send that money so go to maximumfund.org forward slash donate do it right now pause the podcast yes do it right now don't wait we'll assume you've done it by the time you hear this ends so thank you thank you so much for donating i appreciate it um there's more levels and we'll talk about that in a second but we want to get back to some more dog etiquette so before I take questions, uh, I'd like to go over some basic etiquette for dog walking. Okay. Um, it's important that you don't trespass on other people's yards. You should really allow your dog to uh, relieve themselves <laughs> in the small strip between the sidewalk and the street. Um, because let's face it, sometimes people don't want dogs on their yard. And that little strip is pretty much the best place the best case scenario your dog needs to go but they don't want the dog in their yard that little strip is a great place to to make a compromise you should always 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 pick up any solids always that that your dog uh may release there are super cute little like uh trash bag caddies you can get to go on your leash oh yeah some of them shaped like bones different colors they're great it's super easy and it's so nice as someone who like walks their dog outside a lot there's nothing more upsetting than almost or accidentally stepping in someone else's dog waste. It's the worst. It's the worst. And here's the thing. I also want to say, we're saying that them um, using that strip next to the street is the ideal scenario. I also recognize that if your dog walks over to the left and pees, you're not going to pick them up and move them over to that strip. Right. But try to aim the dog that way. It's always appreciated. Um, try to remember that when walking your dog, your dog may be friendly, but other dogs may not. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend, unless you know the dog, um, you can take evasive action. You can turn around and go the other way. You can cross the street away from the other dog. And, you know, Buttercup is a really great dog, but she gets very excited when she sees other dogs. So 
because of that, and I like to have a nice, calm walk, I tend to cross the street away from other dogs. Not because I feel like that dog is unfriendly, but because my dog often excites other dogs. And I I hate it when she gets all barky and she starts howling and whining, and then I have to... Which is just her way of saying, I want to play. Exactly. But it doesn't read that way. Which is just the way, and I have to, you know, say I'm so sorry and I apologize, and then... When the other dog gets anxious, then Buttercup starts to pull on the leash and I have to pull her back and then it doesn't even sound so friendly. It's it's a hard thing. <laughs> so if that happens to you, it's perfectly acceptable to cross the street away from the dog, the other dog or to turn around and just go back the other way you came. Here's a quick dog training tip. For better leash walking, if you have a dog that pulls, what you don't want to do is tug of war. Because that's, one, you're going to train your dog that, like, if you pull forward, one, now becomes a game. Or, two, eventually you'll get to move forward. What you want to do is stop walking, take one step backwards, and then wait until the leash goes slack. So you want to be like, nope, we're not moving until you relax. And then you move forward. And if they pull, if the leash goes tight, you stop again. Basically, what you want to train them is when the leash is tight, you don't move forward. If you have a dog that just pulls and you don't want them to hurt themselves by like a collar, I recommend an uh, an easy walk harness or something like that. We have one of those for Buttercup because she gets excited. Um, I would say that with a choke chain or any kind of like spike collar or anything that's supposed to cause discomfort to train out pulling or something like that i would say only use that if you reach a point where either you're worried about the dog being aggressive and hurting people or hurting a dog or you've tried everything else and they still just won't learn um but yeah that's the key you don't want to walk while the leash is tight or else you're just teaching them that's how it works so in addition to other dogs walking by, there may be people walking by as well. And or although, children. Or children. And although your dog, I'm certain, is very friendly, our dog is very friendly, some people do not like dogs. So I recommend um, switching the dog to the opposite side from the people so that you pass by the person and the dog is on the outside. And, and watch that too, because little kids, like we talked about in the dog park, will be very curious about puppies. And, like, Buttercup loves kids and loves shoving her tongue into people's mouths. <laughs> so, like, I just have to keep an eye on it that Buttercup doesn't tackle the child and start licking the child's face. Um, which could be seen as completely adorable and could also be seen as very scary to, a like, a three-year-old. Sure. So it's always something to just keep in mind. And, like, it's also important to note, though, that dogs basically take their cue off of you so if you tense up every time you see another dog because you're worried that your dog will bark or their dog's going to bark, or every time you see a kid or another human being, you tense up and kind of start acting different, you're going to basically teach the dog that something scary is going on, and then they're going to react like there's something to be scared of. So you want to stay relaxed as you handle these situations that maybe are tense. You want to be as chill about it as you can. And lastly, the most important part about walking etiquette is it is really the most mannerly to keep your dog on a leash instead of letting it walk next to you. And I'm certain that there are lots of very well-behaved dogs, um, but there are city ordinances and leash laws in effect, especially in the city of Los Angeles. Um, And you could get a ticket 
if your dog is not on a leash. So nobody wants a ticket. And also, you really can't control a lot of the the stimuli in the area. If there's a squirrel or if a ball goes in the street or if someone, if another dog starts barking, your dog might take off after that dog. You, you really just can't control everything. And the leash really helps you keep control of the dog, at least. Um. So I, I have some questions mm-hmm. for you, and I'm sure that Allegra does as well. We are both dog owners from way back. But first, I want to run through the other uh, Max Fun donor level options real quick. We talked about the $5, the $10, the $20, where you get the bonus content, the bandana, and the um, adventure kit. For $35 a month, you get all that stuff, and you get a Max Fun um, thermos. It's really, really cool looking. It's got the Max Fun logo right there. It's going to keep your hot drinks a, hot. Your cold drinks cold. A little tumbler lid. Yep. So it's it's everything you need to drink on the go. <laughs> so whatever that could, means for you. You could go on a camping trip and take yep. your little thermos and your adventure pack and your bandana to you know keep your hair out of your eyes or to filter water or to filter or water to like breathe, so that you protect yourself from breathing smoke. There's lots of different and options. keep yourself company with all of the bonus content. Now here I'll let you in on a little secret. If you're looking to upgrade, because we're also looking for upgrading donors. If you've already been at five, why not move up to 10? If you're at 10, move up to 20. If you're 20, move up to 35. Now, maybe you're not ready to move from 35 to 100. Totally. I get that. That's a huge jump to make. There is a $50 level for upgrading donors, only available to upgrading donors. So you can move from 35 to 50, and you don't have to make quite the big jump. If you're ready to start donating or upgrade to 100, one, thank you so much. That's a lot of support for the shows that you love. Two, you're going to get all the stuff we talked about before, and you're going to be a member of the Max Fun Culture Club, which means that once a month, you're going to get some form of media. Like music. Or a movie. Or a book. Or a comic book, or something like that. Something that one of the Max Fun creators said, I think everyone would like this. And that's going to get sent to you every month. Now for $200. One, thank you so much. $200, that's huge. That's a lot of support. Is that, is that called angel level? Because it should be. I Those think it's just superhero, angels. amazing, awesome uh, the best human being on the planet level. Um, but you get all this stuff we talked about, the Culture Club, the bandana, the adventure kit, the thermos, the bonus content, and you're going to get free registration to Max Fun Con 2017. That's huge. Con is really a really great summer camp for adults. And it sells out so quickly, and you're going to have guaranteed registration for $200 a month. So I think it's totally worth it. But above all else, whatever level you donate at, it is appreciated. We're only able to keep operating. Shows like Schmanners exist because of listeners like you. And Schmanners and Can I Pet Your Dog are brand new. This is our first Max Fun Drive for both shows. And we need your support. So if you listen to these shows... And maybe you've never donated before and you've always thought about it. Or maybe you're ready to upgrade. Think about doing it right now. Support the shows you love. Go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And then let us know so we can say thank you. And pay attention to the hashtag MaxFunDrive. There's all kinds of exciting stuff going on. Speaking of Can I Pet Your Dog, you guys have a really active Facebook group. You do. You do. Really awesome people in there, like posting their dog pictures and all kinds of stuff. You have a second Facebook group for discussions and advice. Are, are there any questions you guys have gotten a lot of that you'd, you'd want to ask about different dog manners? Yes. Uh, actually, this is related to your last topic on leash walking. So obviously, uh, in an ideal world, everyone would have their dog on leash when walking it. But what do you do when you do come across someone whose dog is off leash and approaching you and your dog? 
I tend, like I said about all dogs that approach Buttercup and I, <laughs> I tend to cross the street mm-hmm. away from that dog um, just because I don't want Buttercup to be like blindsided by a dog coming up to her. And she really behaves a lot better when she um, has more warning and doesn't get... Um, surprised by another dog so even if that dog does end up coming over i want her to see the dog coming Mm -hmm. i also think it's completely within your rights to if you see the owner to be like are they friendly Mm -hmm. or say like i'm sorry like we don't do well with off leash dogs would you mind calling your dog back Mm -hmm. because like that's the thing that's the reason and i'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're a dedicated off leash dog owner but my problem with it is like i don't know your dog yeah like and i don't know how your dog's gonna behave and i'm glad that you trust your dog but i don't know your dog and you don't know mine and so I think that it's perfectly fine to ask questions. And there are always extenuating circumstances, like if you're, I don't know, in Yellowstone crossing, <laughs> crossing trails and sure. stuff. No one, no one really expects another dog to be out there. Um, and so, like I said, there are always exceptions. But I, I believe generally, when walking a dog on the street, it should be leashed. And if you encounter a dog that is not leashed, you're you're welcome to move away. Um, let me ask this. What do you do when you're at the dog park and some real know-it-all <laughs> is telling you everything they think you should know about how to raise your dog? Well, I think that they probably want to hear themselves talk more than anything else. So a polite, yeah, mm-hmm, a nod, those kind of things. Maybe try and steer the conversation away from the advice and more into the ad- adoration of dogs might mm-hmm. be a great idea. And anyone who is who is giving you unsolicited advice can, can pretty much be stopped with, oh, got to go see my dog. I think they pooped, you know, some kind of <laughs> distraction. Mm-hmm. And then they'll quickly move on to telling somebody else what to do. I just want to talk real quick about the proper way to approach and pet someone's dog. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, can I pet your dog is really a very perfect way to ask someone if you can pet their dog. I think so, too. It's also important to note that dogs mirror energy like we talked about earlier. So if you run up and you're like crazy about it then you got a good chance you're going to overexcite that dog and it's going to go poorly. What you want to do is you want to walk up very calmly and say like, oh, are they friendly? Can I pet your dog? And then when you do, don't put your hand over their head. What you want to do is you want to hold your hand out like you're an old Southern lady and you're waiting for a gentleman (laughs) caller to kiss your hand. And you want to let the dog sniff your hand first because you want the dog to kind of get a feeling of like, where are we at? Okay, cool. And when you put your their hand over their head where suddenly they can't see your hand anymore, that can be very scary for a dog because suddenly you're like coming up over them. You want to let them sniff your hand and you want to kind of let them come to you and be cool with you. And then even then, you also don't want to pick up someone else's dog. You don't want to become overly friendly with that. You want to be chill about it. And then if the person's ready to go and you're kind of reading body language from the owner that they want to walk away, <laughs> let them go. I'm guilty of not doing that last one. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not surprised with that, either you or Renee. Um, I have a question. This is a little more about humans and dogs. Um, what do you do if your neighbor has complained of your dog barking? Well, I think that the most important thing is to show that neighbor that you are working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we have several noise deterrents that we have here that we try and keep the dog from barking. And, you know, Travis works from home, so he's he's 
usually on point with correcting the dog. And I think as long as you are showing a kind of correction behavior, people understand that dogs are dogs and you can't control their every movement. Uh, it's really about the, the progress and the perception of you trying to fix the behavior. It's also always a good idea if you have neighbors that complain about any noise complaints that you go to your neighbor and you establish some kind of rapport with them and say, like, I, I'm working on it. If this is a problem, here is my phone number. Please contact me first before mm-hmm. it becomes a landlord issue or, God forbid, like a police issue or something like that. Um, there are also lots of different items you can get so for example we have kind of a subsonic um like bark deterrent that when buttercup barks it's not like a pain thing it's a distraction noise that we can't hear that just kind of draws her attention away from whatever she was barking at there's like little handheld ones that you can take with you when you walk um they're th- also citronella mm-hmm. um bark deterrent uh you clip it on or you uh buy a special collar and the smell again is very distracting Um, The thing to watch out for is, like, a bark collar that does, um, like, shock. And once again, this is, I think, the same as the the chain collars or the the choke collars is if that's the level you've reached and it's a huge issue and that's your only option – don't start there, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. It's like, that's the thing of like, no, this dog's like barking till it makes itself hoarse and like it's like driving everyone crazy and I'm at risk of either losing the dog or losing my apartment or whatever. But don't start there. That's kind of last ditch effort. You know what I mean? And there are there are lots of training options out there. Find one that really works for you. You can do some distraction techniques. You can do uh, positive reinforcement. I know sometimes we tell Buttercup quiet. Mm-hmm. And when she's quiet for just a few seconds, she gets a treat or she gets attention. And that, that's a good positive reinforcement for the, for the non-barking. When I was a dog trainer, um, kind of overall, my dog training advice to people were, especially if the dog was new, was kind of decide how much of the dog you're allowed, you are cool with it being a dog. So, like, some people don't want their dogs to jump up. Some mm-hmm. people love that when they walk on the door, their dog jumps up on them and wants to lick their face. Okay, cool. If you know that about yourself and you're going to let the dog do that to you every time you walk in the house, then you have to accept that that's the behavior the dog's going to have. So, part of it is, like, understand how much of the dog you're going to let be a dog. Because mm-hmm. dogs are dogs. That's that's also it. If, like, if you want a silent, non-bothersome, non-present like companion get a cat (laughs) i mean that's assuming because our cat is very present and very loving and i'm not saying listen i'm i am an equal opportunity dog and cat person i like dogs better um you know that like why are you surprised that i like dogs better because the cat's in the room and she can hear you hello well i'm not saying i don't like her i'm just saying i like dogs better a little bit slightly oh my god butter i i like them both equally because i grew up with just cats and buttercup is my very first dog well you are very well mannered well etiqueted (laughs) dog owner i think i nailed it (laughs) Uh, we're gonna have to work on that (laughs) um so i think that's gonna do it uh do you guys have any more questions any more hints and tips and tricks for anybody um i'm gonna say that it's really important that you emulate the behavior you want your dog to have So a very calm person is going to have a lot calmer of a dog. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but they are very reflective of your energy. You know, okay, this is the last thing I'll say as far as manners. Um, If you are visiting friends with dogs, it is always appreciated to ask the friends before you show up 
Is there anything you're working on? Especially if you know that the friends are trying to like correct the dog from like jumping up when people walk in the door or barking mm-hmm. when people walk in the door. Cause that's so hard to like control that scenario to like train that out of dogs because you can't always control like when someone knocks on the door or when someone comes to the door. So like if you know that your friends are trying to stop their dog from like jumping up on people when they, when know what to do when you walk in the house and like just be aware of it, help as much as you can. Um, because unfortunately in dog training, one bad time is like, it takes like 10 correct times to fix one bad instance. So. That is something that we really advocate in this podcast is, is communication and yeah. know what is expected of you and, and the communication between people really alleviates a lot of the, the awkwardness that occurs without manners. And like, if you're visiting someone's house and they're like, please, uh, just so you know, we we're trying not to feed her from the table or mm-hmm. we don't want to give her treats between meals. Don't do that, man. It like it might seem funny to you that you're like, well, I'm gonna like spoil them. It's like, okay, but they're not a child. They're not gonna learn eventually not to do that. You're just reinforcing bad behavior. So please also respect the wishes of your host and how they want the dog to be treated. I also think, um, and I, I do this with close friends. I think as the dog owner that you should feel comfortable to say that to your guests who are coming over, um, because they won't necessarily know mm-hmm. what you're trying to train, uh, the dog to do right now. So I'll often be like, we're working on this or we're working on that just so they hopefully don't reward her for jumping up or doing yeah. whatever. Cause it is a long, slow learning process. <laughs> it so is. When the dogs are excited, especially, oof, guys, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> Well, Allegra, thank you so much for coming and talking dog with us. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. We just put out a really great episode of Can I Pet Your Dog today that has both Veronica Belmont and Jesse Thorne and lots of stuff about dogs. And Allegra. And Allegra (gasps) and and Renee as well. Um, Can I Pet Your Dog comes out every Tuesday on MaximumFun.org. I highly recommend it. I'm also on it. Um, Speaking of MaximumFun.org, one last time, it is Max Fun Drive. There's a lot of really awesome stuff going on. For example, right now, um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, the 22nd, which is when I will have this up, there is a meetup going on maybe in your area tonight. So if you go to MaximumFun.org forward slash meetups, you can see if there's one in your area and then go to it and meet other awesome MaxFun fans. We are having one in LA and I will be there. Travis will be there. Allegra. I will. I will be there. And Renee. I'm bringing as many of my co-hosts as I can. (laughs) Um, Also, on the 25th of March, there is a live streaming Jordan Jesse Go to kind of wrap up the end of the Max Fun Drive. Um, So you can find out more details about that, Maximum Fun HQ on Twitter um, or on MaximumFun.org. I'm sure they'll talk about it there, too. Um, And you can tweet why people should support Max Fun with the hashtag Toast to Max Fun and the link MaximumFun.org forward slash donate and you'll be entered into a drawing to win one of John Hodgman's favorite Breville products Breville the uh, kitchen appliance maker don't know what that is going to be probably a toaster (laughs) but I'm not sure um, and one last time, if you love Max Fun and you love Can I Pet Your Dog and you love Schmanners and you want to support these shows, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate for as low as $5 a month. You can support your favorite shows. So that's going to do it for us this week. Join us again for our regular episode. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.